Hello and welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-host is the DJ. How's your week going, DJ? Oh, it's going good, going good. Seeing some uh, very interesting news over the week. Uh, what was it the other day I saw? Uh, Genghis Khan, now a victim of cancel culture. Are we talking about <laughs> Genghis Khan, the uh, genocidal uh, Mongolian? Genghis Khan, the band? Or... <laughs> Uh, Genghis Khan, the movie, I think there's a movie. Oh, yeah, the um, Omar Sharif one, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah, Genghis Khan, the brutal murderer. <laughs> okay. Um, so what I saw was um, people were saying like, oh, Genghis Khan killed all these people, yet we, yet someone to glorify him as a hero conqueror. So Twitter decided, okay, we're going to cancel it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but other than that, it's been... um. Been, been pretty quiet so far. Don't say that. <laughs> Why? What do you mean? You'll curse us. <laughs> oh come on! I am not. A, I'm not some gypsy where I'm gonna say like I put a curse on you. I put a curse the on curses you. Curses don't care. <laughs> but speaking of curses. <laughs> What's our first topic about? Oh, so your favorite movie, uh, Del Toro's Pinocchio, has got an update the, the last few days. <laughs> and uh, the update is we've got some um, cast re- revelations. So, so who's going to be in it? So Pinocchio is going to be acted by a newcomer by the name of Gregory Mann. And uh, for those curious on who Gregory Mann is, uh, he's a child actor and musician who was part of the mouse band in the 2019 film adaptation of Cats, the movie. Okay, so he's got some great uh, history. Yeah, so... I mean, I'm sure he's a decent actor if they've picked him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So for those curious who the mouse bands are, they're the... uh, Consists of five mice who who all play different instruments and they live inside Jenny Annie Dots and are uh, taught music and crocheting and tatting. But yeah, um, according to his IMDb, he was also in a Gregory Mann's IMDb. He was in a couple of other shows such as Victoria and the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society. But yeah, so uh, up there's his IMDb page. Um, other revelations have also come out that uh, Ewan McGregor is going to be playing as Jiminy Cricket. Surprised uh, to be sure. David Bradley of the uh, Harry Potter franchise in Game of Thrones as Geppetto. I can see that. Uh, Finn, uh, other actors are included in this movie. Uh, Tilda Swinton, Christoph Waltz, and Kate Blanchett. Uh, Finn Wolfhard, John tu- uh, Tutoro, and who else? Uh, Ron Perlman, Tim Blake Nelson, and Bern Gorman. That's a very impressive star cast. It is. Oh, and uh, for those curious who David Bradley is, uh, he's the guy who played as Walder Frey in Game of Thrones. He also played the first Doctor. Oh, yeah. In the, uh, when twice they've upon- had uh, yeah. brought him back, considering he's been dead for a while. Yeah, Twice Upon a Time. That was a great, uh, that was a great tr- episode. But um, yeah, so the story goes, it's set during the rise of fascism in Mussolini's Italy, Del Toro's Pinocchio is a story of love and disobedience as Pinocchio struggles to live up to his father's expectations. And uh, it will be it'll be animated as well. Okay, so, interesting um yeah, interesting crossover there setting it in, you know, Mussolini's time. But I can't say I'm surprised. This is yeah. uh, Del Toro. Yeah. 
And uh, Del Toro is working with Mark Gustafson. He was the man behind the uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox movie. So that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting to see. And um, what else is there? Uh, Del Toro and Patrick McHale um, have wrote the script. The song lyrics are done by uh, Del Toro and Katz, with music by Oscar winner Alexander Desplat, who wrote the score. Um, The film puppets are built by McKinnon and Saunders, who are famous for The Corpse Bride. And this will be a Jim Henson production as well. So this will be an interesting um, movie to look at. Yeah. Although the the most interesting question will be, will we see um, Ewan McGregor speak in an Italian accent? Why is that a uh, significant thing for Ewan? Because it's an Italian, you know, it's based in the... It, it's going to be based in fascism, Italy, and most of the and Pinocchio is more a part of Italian story. Well, Ewan could be a Scottish immigrant. So, what do you think of this lineup? Like, who who do you think will would you like to see stand out in this one besides Pinocchio? Well, I'm sure uh, David Bradley will absolutely nail <clears throat> Geppetto. Mm. Um, uh, who did also- you say Bern Gorman is playing? Um, Bern Gorman. He uh, they haven't say what ca- what character he's playing. But uh, Film Wolfhard um, is playing as Lampwick. Uh, Christoph Waltz, he's going to be playing as the Fox. Uh, Tilda Swinton will play as the Fairy with turquoise hair. And Ron Perman is playing as Mangia Fuoco. Okay, it's a uh, Del Toro movie. Can't not have Ron Perlman Ron in Perman. it. <laughs> yeah. So Mangia Fuoco, he is the uh, theater director and puppet master. The one thing that's going to interest me is uh, how dark are they going to make this? Yeah, I mean, this there's is a lot not- of dark stuff in Pinocchio. Kids being turned into donkeys, being eaten by a whale. <laughs> oh man, I can imagine um, this being a this being a um, puppetry movie. Like it's gonna it it will take the edge out of the hu- like you know how normally Del Toro would also um, add in like a human element into this. Wonder what human elements he's going to introduce into this movie. Will it compete with our fan fiction, though? <laughs> uh, the crossover of Forrest Gump, Pinocchio, and Pacific Rim. Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we- uh, yeah, the whale becomes a kaiju. <laughs> Works for me, and they build Pinocchio a giant body so that he can fight the kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> and then Forrest Gump runs through because Forrest just runs through every major event. <laughs> oh man! Oh, so um, interestingly as well, uh, Del Toro has built up a strong partnership with Netflix over the years, mostly with in the animated realm, creating the te- the Tales of Arcadia trilogy, uh, developing the streamers' beloved Troll Hunters animated series with the features with the feature on the way, and creating the upcoming Netflix at live-action anthology series, Del Toro Presents 10 After Midnight. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that one as well. Yeah, yeah, so that was... So it's interesting how they, they continued on working while the coronavirus was hitting everything. Well, animated shows don't have, like, social inter- elements, so if you can get together a functional studio in somebody's house, then you don't have to worry about you know the contact, but then you also have to. But then you have to also um, deal with uh, reshoots and. So does any production. Yeah, they might have decided that the time they'd spend doing reshoots is less than the time they'd waste waiting for uh, waiting for the the owner to die out. Yeah, yeah. Which 
sounds like the right decision to me because uh, even Brisbane's just gone back into lockdown today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, not a full lockdown, but uh, we're being told to limit our social gatherings again because there's someone with a uh, unknown uh, unknown tracing who came back from Sydney, I think, tested negative, and then went to Japan and tested positive. Yeah. So they, uh, they've decided all of Brisbane has to oh, sit tight also, for a minute. It was also the uh, youth detention centre as well. Ah, yes. Yeah, so... Apparently, a 77-year-old supervisor was tested positive during earlier this week. Oh, that's not good. So now, uh, now, now that prison is uh, deemed a cluster. But yeah, so this, this will be a. F- uh, who do you think Kate Blanchett should play as in this movie? In this, I don't know. We've covered all of the the major characters that I can think of. It's been a long time since I've read Pinocchio. Yeah, imagine if uh, Pinocchio turns from um, a bo- turns from the boy to Kate Blanchett. <laughs> well, it's still Toro, so I wouldn't entirely rule it out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so would you be are you hyped for this movie now more, or uh, yeah. still still waiting on the rest of the cast list? No, this is a good cast, and setting it in a uh, in Mussolini's Italy. Sounds like it's going to have some really interesting background to the uh, to the setting. Yeah. So I'm pretty interested in seeing this when it comes out. Yeah, because the movie's it is a novel by the Italian by the um, by the Italian author Carlo Collidi, and it's they're basically it's basically yeah, it's a just me- weird taking like they could have said it at any time in history, but they pick uh, Mussolini's Italy. Yeah. And then I was I'm reading through the um the Adventures of Pinocchio and it's interesting they said a universal icon and a metaphor of the human condition the book is considered a canonical piece of children's literature and has had great impact on world culture Sounds about right to me cuz yeah. everyone wants to grow up and be a real adult and then they become an adult and they find out it's a bit rubbish <laughs> It kind of sucks, doesn't it? Like when you, when you, when you say like, "I always wanted to be an adult," then when you become an adult, it's like, yeah, the magic is gone. Tax time again. <laughs> oh, what's the other one? Uh, I want free money now. <laughs> oh, what's the other one? Um, when you start driving a car, then you real, be like, "I want to drive a car." And then when you start driving the car, you're like, ah, ah, no, no, I have to pay everything for this car. Yeah, or wanting to grow up and get a job and then realizing you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Yep. <laughs> Unless you're lucky enough to find a job that, you know, suits you and you enjoy doing. As uh, as frustrating as it is, I actually really enjoy doing IT support <laughs> most of the time. Is it um, is it because you like to see computers burst into flames? No, I don't like to see the computers get hurt. I just like fixing things. But anyway, speaking of adults, have you heard about the war on porn in Roblox? Wait, what? Roblox? So, yeah, and porn? The, the kids' game Roblox has a, a bit of an issue at the moment where, even despite their best efforts, there's a decently sized contingent, like thousands of users, who play the game for adult content despite their best efforts to block it. <laughs> what? But it's it's like but Roblox is like Minecraft. How the heck would they do that though? Well, judging by the screenshots, there's a lot more choice to what your character's model looks like. It reminds me a bit of Second Life, which uh, had a similar issue, but 
I don't think they ever freaked out about it because they were targeting adults. But um, yes, yeah, so it just reminds me of uh, of well, it's an age-old issue, really. Ever since online video games have been a thing, people have been using them to make adult content. Oh no! <laughs> so, are you saying that Roblox is going to be the next Pornhub? No, but they they're trying to. Well, the the bad actors are because uh, Roblox has a team of one thousand six hundred moderators who. Uh, is spread out around, you know, 24 or 7. So they they try to take it down as fast as they can, and they can often get to it within a couple of hours. But there's no uh, cost to the... Um, no cost to the operator to create another throwaway account and spin up a new server. Mm. What's going to be interesting is how will the um, companies like... Uh Apple and Google react on their app store if they if they caught wind of yeah, this. That's a good question. I think since Roblox are doing their best to keep it locked down and the US Department of Justice actually um actually gave a quote saying that Roblox is one of the better uh, it's an industry leader for uh, protecting children from obscene content. Well, they're not doing a good. They're not doing really a good job. Well, they're doing the best they can, which is a hell of a lot better than doing nothing. Uh, they would yeah. otherwise, yeah, yeah. And there's a, a famous story about how long it took, like how Nintendo spent forever trying to make sure you couldn't draw obscene images in PictoChat. What's that? What was the estimated time? Uh, I don't remember, but um, so even way back in um, oh, in text-based adventures, there were still people creating adult content, and there weren't as many kids playing back then, so it wasn't as much of an issue. But that's fairly easy. You can create a um, <clears throat> create a a filter and block words that are inappropriate. Then people find ways around that, so you block those and keep going and hope you don't run into a skunt fort problem. Mm. where uh, the Skunt Fort problem refers to a town in the UK that has a name containing an inappropriate word, and it always gets blocked because it's really hard to do a good text filter. Oh, yeah, it's also um, on the Street Pass system as well. They did the... They yeah, did the how baller. do you stop people from from putting adult content into children's games? It's, it's Extremely very... heavy moderation. Oh, yeah, but then the problem is, though... If we do extreme heavy moderation, you tr- it's like you're slowly, slowly dancing into a like um, China territory. Yeah, but that's the pro- that, but that's the real irony of it. Like it, it's it's like it's like America. It's it's like Western gaming companies. They're trying not to be like China, but they they do that they, they want to, they um they hate China for doing the um, censoring. Unfortunately, it's the only way to, you know, censorship, you know, you're taking out the adult content because this is targeted at kids. Yeah. So yeah. you're censoring the content for the children because people are specifically using Roblox to target kids. If they didn't want to target kids, I'm sure they could use any number of other online chat rooms. Couldn't Roblox do like um, create uh, adults, uh, adults only servers though? And go, Possibly and, and bypass that because I mean it, it's it's a it's a it's a ongoing problem and the be- it, it could be a band aid solution but it at least it's better than doing nothing at least. Possibly uh, you still get people wrongly categorizing stuff 
and um, you still probably want someone who can, you know, Roblox has protection features for users under 13, and I think they probably don't want to create an adults-only zone because that would affect their family-friendly image. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like how, you know, even YouTube rather uh, prefer to, uh, would rather ban someone than create a adults-only YouTube section. But the, this is the but same that, issue that YouTube faces as well. Yeah. Except with YouTube, there's even more content getting uploaded every hour. Yeah. But here's the other here's the other problem though. Like it it sends a very different message. Like saying like we're open to all these creators and they want we want creators to express themselves and stuff. But at the same time, it should be family friendly. And if yours is not family friendly, then uh, get the hell out of my get the hell out of my um platform. Well, that's called a code of conduct, and that's normal. Yeah, it's it's, it's normal. normal to have terms and services, and to limit what people are allowed to create. It's yeah. also interesting that um, places uh, places like YouTube tend to come under a well. The name for it for copyright uh, issues is safe harbor. I don't remember what the name for it for inappropriate content is, but as a hosting site, we discussed it a little while back. As a hosting site, they want to be um, they want to control what people can put up there because the advertiser friendly stuff. They also don't want to moderate it because that takes such a lot of manpower. Mm. And they also don't want to be responsible if if someone uploads inappropriate content, they don't want to get in trouble with the law for hosting it. Oh, I think I know which one you talk about. It's a di- it was a different platform, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh Gonna say maybe um, I know which one you're talking about. Uh, the, uh, it'll come back to me some point, but um, yeah, I get the whole code of conduct. But there, are, there would be sometimes like you create some content and it is within the code of conduct. But then they'll be like, "Nah, sorry." Um, even though your code of conduct, even though you've you're obeying the code of conduct, we'll have to we'll have to punish you in another way, kind of thing. Well, that's just YouTube being inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. The but- what I think is actually more worrying about this is that um, this Roblox uh, developers, so Roblox developers can sell microtransactions, and these people who, some of them are teenagers running the uh, inappropriate content servers, often they buy a pre-existing server and uh, learn how to tweak it so that they can republish it every time it gets banned, except... Uh-huh they're making money from it because they can sell microtransactions. Oh, so it's a front. Not really a front. It's it's the kids who run the server who are getting the money. So they one of them has a, a shirt on his profile, and if you buy his shirt, you get admin privileges, which I see so many... Just completely aside, I see so many servers where you can buy admin privileges, and they all seem to be run by kids. <laughs> it's like we t- it's, it's like we've taught them to be mini capitalists. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like capitalism isn't dead. <laughs> yep. And it, it, what's interesting is how um they haven't like it's interesting how the shirt companies are not seeing this and going, "Oi, that's copyright infringement." <laughs> well, it's not like making a shirt that says Nike or anything on it. Yeah. They're just making a pattern and selling that pattern. So it's just if um if if Nike was to if they were to put Nike on their shirt, they would get in trouble. But not since they're creating the content themselves. 
Uh, you know what's the interesting thing about this? This the whole um adult the whole adult chat um in Roblox. It's kind of like um it's kind of like the good old um IRC chats you gonna um you, you get with the when you talk uh, after dark editions. Yeah, yeah, but IRC has traditionally been targeted at adults. Yeah. So yeah, it's um a bit this worrying. Like, yeah, this is like IRC chat 2.0, but for kids like. Ah, uh, what's going to be interesting is what's going to be what's going to be interesting is um I wonder if any other federal organizations are going to come call wind of this because you're going to see a lot of people um including like the FCC the um NSA and stuff they might go okay we could catch people with with this um software yeah I expect um I expect that cops are undercover in these servers keeping an eye out for predators. Just like they do on other services, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there were undercover cops involved. I think it also comes down to um, the parents; like they have to be more vigilant now because of what we're seeing. Yeah, I think um, some parents obviously just don't care, but I think it's important for parents to keep an eye on what their kids do online. Yeah, and uh, I think it also that um, you know. Millennials have having kids now, but I think um, there's a lot of people who aren't educated in the internet who don't know, you know, how to raise a child in an internet world. Yeah. So uh, with uh, hopefully that this will get better now that you know, millennials are raising their own children, and these children are being raised by people who actually understand what the risks are. Yeah. The other risk I'm also uh, what's going to be interesting is. I bet you, like a couple of Roblox users will be will use this um to record stuff, and they will and you might see some people uploading that this this type of behavior uh, on YouTube as well. Blackmail stuff? Do you mean? Oh, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Blackmail to um to just oh look at this very interesting moment I had. Yeah. I mean, this is this type of behavior is opening up a very very dangerous Pandora's box, in my opinion. It is, but so has any new technology, and yeah. there's no reason to, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, especially in the last six months with everybody being kept at home. Being able to um, get on and play a video game with your friends has likely had a huge impact on people's social health. Mm. Just curiously, would this affect will this affect um, Roblox users into going, hey, Okay, this is getting a little bit weird for me. I'm going to go to Minecraft. Uh, Did you see a move happening like that? Like maybe not in droves, but like in uh, small number, maybe small numbers, maybe like 500 or a thousand kind of thing. I think they target different audiences. I'm not sure that would ever happen, but um, there would be a, a large migration. But uh, you can't create this kind of content in Minecraft as easily. Yeah, and there's no. Um, so there's nobody, no centralized uh, server browser like there is in Roblox. But I suppose people might move over as they grow older. Minecraft might be more appropriate for older players. I don't really know. I, I'll be honest, I haven't played Roblox, so I can't really say. Yeah. I mean, uh, then the other crazy part would be like game developers will have to be very, very vigilant now as well. Yeah. If you're a game developer making a game... <clears throat> targeting children that allows you to create, you know, to 
create player-generated content, you should also keep in mind that the people will use it to create inappropriate content. Yeah. And I don't know what the solution is to that. I don't think we'll... Uh, it's going to be... It's, it'll be a, it, there will be a solution, but the problem is, are we going to impede our freedoms just to get to that solution? Yeah, I think the solution is going to be AI. Machine learning is going to make it so much easier to uh, keep track of the inappropriate content. We're still a few years off that, though. The machine learning is still inaccurate enough that I wouldn't trust it. But yes, um, I think there's a solution. I don't know if we're ready for it yet. Mm. But one thing you can't catch by going to inappropriate servers in Roblox is herpes. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great segue there. Oh, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one, Professor. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so herpes is a, a virus that lives in the human body's nerve cells, which means that it can constantly rear up. Uh, your immune system can't enter the, well, can't target the virus in the nervous system. So when you, when it tries to, when it can only target the virus when you're having an active outbreak, which is why a, a person infected with herpes will often have cold sores for the rest of their life, unless they're one of the um, the subset who don't show symptoms but are still infected. And it's a, a fairly benign virus, but it can kill children or immunocompromised people. Yeah, yeah there's uh, cases of children being infected by, you know, being kissed by their parents or grandparents, or um, they can get infected by... There's a case uh, a few couple of years ago of a, a mohel performing a Jewish circumcision, which part of that involves... Uh, look, I don't want to come across as anti-Semitic or anything, but <laughs> part of the traditional Jewish circumcision involves cleaning the wound by oral suction. Ugh, yeah, and... I'm sorry, that just comes across as really weird to me, but... Um, oh, here we go. It's called the uh, Brit Milha. Yeah, so you can look into that further if you want. Um, but there's a ca- case where a uh, mohel was accused of infecting a number of children who died of herpes. So I don't want to... Look, I'm just pointing it out as an example, to be clear. don't want to come across as anti-Semitic or anything, but I just find it a bit weird to do that but uh the there is now a treatment which may cure herpes which is good because the majority of people are infected by the time they're 50 if i remember correctly and it's uh, obviously a in adults a unlikely to kill them but it can kill children so the um this new treatment involves gene editing uh, um. you know i did say there's not many issues for adults but it can also cause blindness and other uh, enjoyable side effects. <laughs> Gene editing, eh? That's a that's a very controversial method in itself. I mean, cloning is not is a big, big no no. Yeah, it's um, not really cloning. Oh yeah, that's right. it's more like CRISPR. So the idea is that you target a particular gene that has a negative effect and. <clears throat> You can reprogram, <clears throat> sorry, you can reprogram someone's DNA and say remove the gene that causes uh, cystic fibrosis. Mm. 
what's going to be interesting is that is this going to be the way to um to eliminate diseases now saying uh well with the whole um gene editing becoming a thing and uh antibiotics is becoming not much of a thing anymore that's what i'm excited for so antibiotics are useless for herpes because it's a virus antibiotics only work on bacterial infections yeah so, but antibiotic overuse is a legitimate issue. Yeah. But even though herpes is a, is a fairly benign virus compared to, say, HIV or, um, well, any number of other viruses that live in the body permanently, the uh, I'm hoping this will lead to some improved treatments, say, HIV, shingles, Shingles actually is the herpes family. Chickenpox and shingles are in the herpes family. They live in your nerve cells and in times of great stress or when your immune system is weakened can reinfect you. And shingles as, a, as an adult is basically the adult form of chickenpox, but specifically from, I believe it's specifically from the uh, reactivated infection. Yeah. And as an adult, it will mess you up. Mm. So chickenpox is benign in children, worse in adults. Herpes is benign in adults, worse in children. The other thing to be afraid uh, to to be, be interesting is, are we is um, are most diseases going to be um, resistant to hate to the gene editing program? Like you know, we always hear the stories of the superbugs. Yeah. So depending on whether well, the concept of the superbug is mostly a. Um, bacterial disease and the issue is that antibiotic resistance builds up over time if you when you kill off a disease with antibiotics there's a chance a certain percentage will have a mutation that makes them immune to that antibiotic it lives on multiplies and becomes a colony of antibiotic resistant bacteria yeah if you uh you can then switch antibiotics and uh part of the since bacteria have a limited amount of DNA, they can't really maintain resistance to multiple uh, varieties of antibiotic. So the search at the moment is for antibiotics that can be cycled around and make sure you um, to make sure there's always one available for treating a resistant bacteria. But I, as far as I'm aware, this from this reading this paper, there won't be resistant herpes because they, um, <clears throat> they're using CRISPR-Cas9 to target the latent genomes to disrupt and eliminate them. And I don't think there's a way for the virus to defend against that. Or mutate as well. Yes, it could mutate, but then you would uh, modify the, um, the CRISPR target and instead target the new, uh, the new strain. Hmm. I wonder if this is the same method they're gonna they should use for coronavirus. Uh, I don't think this will work for that. I think um, since uh, coronavirus is a fairly rapid disease, uh, there is only a couple of major strains that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. But I think the um, I I think this particular method for is specifically for targeting latent infections in nerve cells. Yeah. Yeah, so if I understand it correctly, they're using CRISPR to target the nerve cells and write out the um overwrite the herpes virus DNA. Mm. 
Curiously, you reckon this this method will all um might be the replacement to stem cell to the use of stem cells or uh no, I think they target different um conditions. Okay. There's some cases I think stem cells are used as a treatment for cystic fibrosis and in that case uh there's some promising research in CRISPR for cystic fibrosis, but um, stem cells have too many uses for that, for everything to be replaced. <clears throat> so uh, for treatments, it is um, the diseases where stem cell research is being investigated include diabetes, uh, hair loss, rheumatoid arthritis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, osteoarthritis, uh, traumatic brain injury, or stroke learning disability due to co- co- um, congenital disorder, spinal cord injury, heart infraction, anti-cancer treatments, uh, re- restore visions and repair damage to cornea, Crohn's disease, wound, heal- wound healing, and a lot more. Okay, is that, sorry, was that for CRISPR or for stem cells? Stem cells. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, a lot of variety there. We'll have to see, you know, CRISPR is a fairly new treatment. Yeah. I just think this is exciting because um, I don't think anyone's ever targeted viral DNA in a infected cell using CRISPR before. And that there are so, you know, the implications are for all of the other uh, viral infections like HIV or shingles, hmm. which would, would be a huge quality of life improvement for so many people. Can you imagine it becomes the new pill? Here's a new pill. If you want to get rid of the herpes virus, here's a new pill. Well, yeah. Is that a reference to something? Well, I was thinking, um, you know, when uh, when Viagra came out, how it um, revolutionized the, uh, the, the the sex industry kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, Viagra was actually designed for, um, I think it was blood pressure. Think- and then they noticed some convenient side effects and remarketed it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was originally discovered um, while looking for a treatment for heart-related chest pain. Yeah, so I hope this becomes a, uh, you know, a standard treatment because eliminating disease is cool. But anyway, moving along, what have you played? Uh, uh, I didn't play. Seriously? <laughs> okay, lie to me. What have you played? Uh, Minion Masters. What's that about? Uh, it's basically, uh, you would say it's a, it's a bit of a MOBA. Where you can choose what um, what units to attack the um, from on the other side, and um, yeah, it's a castle defense type game. Okay, when did you play that? A couple of weeks ago. Okay, I'll let you have that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Minion Masters it, it, it has that. Uh, it's grindy. It sometimes um, so- sometimes you have to deal with uh, microtransactions as well. So. And I think there must be there might be an update coming up soon, so I'm looking forward to that. So, what would you rate it? I would rate it three out of five. It's a it's it's a quick and simple game. It's easy to install. Uh, you just have to deal with the microtransactions, and there's not there isn't much of a fan base in that game. But uh, yeah, okay. And I've been playing a ton of Fall Guys because it's incredible. <laughs> But I've also been playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shadows of the Past. This is an asymmetrical board game. One team plays as the the Ninja Turtles, and the other team plays... Well, the other player is the bad guys. 
The Foot, basically. Yeah, the Foot Clan and any other bad guys that might turn up. Oh, nice. So I've been playing as the bad guys, and my friends are all playing as the Turtles. <laughs> or Splinter turned up in the uh, in the latest round because the the Turtles can choose between. I think it's just the Turtles, April, and Splinter. So just curiously, did any any of your friends fought over who wants to be Leo? Uh no, no fights. <laughs> Because it's always like, I want to be Leo. No, I want to be Leo. Yeah. So um, the as the bad guy, I've been playing as um, basically gangsters and Foot Clan ninjas with my hero units being Alopex and Old Hob. Hey, Alo- Alopex? Okay. Hmm. Alopex. She's an Arctic fox, white fluffy thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see it. Yep, yep, yep. I see it. Yeah. So what's um? So for the turtles, it's team based, and they uh they roll their their dice, which tell them what actions they can take, and they have bonus skills they can take, and um travel around the map and fight my guys and have an objective. So the first match we played, I was Old Hob and some gangsters, and they had to kill Old Hob, while I had to kill just one of the turtles. They weren't very good that round, so I ended up bringing them all down. Like One of them rushed in, and I just clobbered him, then <laughs> kept him at a, a, a couple of health while I brought the rest down because I was feeling mean. <laughs> yeah, so... Did, did, um, you have, did you have to be mean? <laughs> I didn't have to. I could have ended it, but I was like, I'm going to pull this out for another half an hour while I just beat up the rest of you. <laughs> it was, you know, a bit mean, but they, they didn't care too much. So we um, then the other mission we did, I was Hob and Alopex, along with some gangsters and ninjas, defending a shipment from them, which they did a lot better at. They'd learned how to use their characters and teamwork to get to the shipment, and they could have done it. They were a lot closer than um, they were in the first match. So what are the special abilities for each of the turtles? Um... Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but... Splinter's power was basically clobber anyone around him. So uh, when I ended up with my... I surrounded uh, Splinter with a bunch of ninjas, and Splinter then took them all out in one move. Oh, man. Yeah. So it feels nicely balanced. Hmm. Like, I've won both rounds so far, but I could easily have seen myself losing the second one if um, if I'd played differently. Yeah. What's the biggest flaw you've encountered in the game? Uh, it can be a bit tricky keeping track of turns. So each um, the, the turtles can pick what order they want to go in and change that whenever they want. But then in between each turtle, uh, the bad guys get to have a turn. And so the last match we played had a bit of an issue where um, one of the turtle players would keep forgetting to let me have my turn or would cut me off halfway through because the um yeah as the bad guys you get two actions so i can like play a card that lets my ninjas run in and attack and then i can play a card that lets my gunners shoot um but he'd keep stopping me after the first action and starting his turn and then i'd be like hold on hold on i'm still going but that might just be a mikey thing rather than a uh anyone else like you know an actual floor i like some of the um statue designs they look really cool like you got the super shredder Shredder and um, the Turtles as well. That looks really cool. Yeah, there's some nice minis. 
So uh, how many nerdy beanies would you give this one out of? Uh, I'd give it four and a half out of five. I'm really right. enjoying it. Nice, nice. So on to our shout outs. On the 18th of August, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. What the hell are you doing, DJ? It's Philosopher's <laughs> Stone. They changed it to Sorcerer's Stone for America because Americans don't know what a philosopher does. <laughs> but um, yes, so the, the movie of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone crossed $1 billion globally. After how many years? <laughs> Almost 20 years. <laughs> Because um, with all of the movie re-releases that have been going on, a lot of uh, older movies have been coming back to cinemas. And that makes this the second Harry Potter movie to cross one billion. The other one being The Deathly Hallows Part 2, which got 1.34 billion. And on the same day, Ben Cross, an actor in Chariots of Fire, passed away at 72. Ben played uh, the Olympic splinter Harold Abrahams in Chariots of Fire. Uh, he was also in Livewire, Cold Sweat, First Night, Solomon, and the father of Spock in Star Trek 2009. So in, um, in preparing for Chariots of Fire, Ben Cross said he came to the conclusion that Abrahams was motivated by a combination of prejudice and paranoia. He played Harold as a man whose pilot light was always lit. There was a quiet defensive anger, and occasionally the boiler would light up. He trained for three months after accepting the role, then had six months further training prior to filming. He died of cancer in Vienna. And another uh, Google Maps failure. On the uh, 20th of August, the Toowoomba showground went missing. (laughs) So Frank Thomas Avenue, a driveway on the showground property isn't an actual road, but somebody <laughs> screwed up and um, and ended up re- reconfiguring the map to show that the showgrounds were on that road, which wasn't there, and instead they went basically completely missing. I, 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 I hate to be the intern who did that mistake. Yeah, hopefully it's not the same guy who did the Brisbane River last week. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Did you notice how the um, International Space Station was um, flying across um, Australia the uh, last few days? Yeah. Yeah, it does it every now and then. Yeah. I was like, wow. Did it's you moving go out and see it? Yeah, it was moving very fast. Yeah, they have like a sunrise every like 40 minutes or something. <laughs> Boy, I would hate to be the people sleeping in that space station. You'd be like, uh, what breakfast is this? Uh, this is the second breakfast. <laughs> uh, they they actually live off. Um, I think their clock is based on GMT. So you know they can always go out and check out the sunrise any time of day. Though there's uh, no windows in the sleeping quarters. So on to the remembrances. On the twentieth of August, nineteen fifteen, Paul Ehrlich passed away. Paul was a Nobel Prize winning German physician and scientist who worked in hematology, immunology, and antimicrobial chemotherapy. In 1909, he found a cure for syphilis and invented the precursor to gram-staining bacteria. His, uh, his lab's work on the treatment for syphilis also became the uh, basis of chemotherapy. He also worked on an anti-serum for diphtheria and received a Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine in 1908. He believed in a magic bullet treatment that would only kill the organism targeted, which 
you know, CRISPR could be that treatment. <laughs> the magic bullet. Yeah, only a <laughs> hundred years later, but you know. <laughs> so he died at sixty-one in Bad Homburg, Hesse, on the twentieth of August, nineteen seven, nineteen seventeen. Adolf van Bayer passed away. Johann Friedrich Wilhelm Adolf van Bayer, a German <laughs> chemist who synthesized indigo and developed the nomenclature for cyclic compounds. He was ennobled in the Kingdom of Bavaria in 1885 and received the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1905. He, in 1872, he created the precursor to uh, Leo Bakeland's Bakelite, which was an early sort of like, it's where we use a, a lot of plastic these days in cases and uh, yeah, basically we've replaced it with plastic for all sorts of devices now. You know, when I first saw the um, Bakelite, um, name. I automatically okay. You, you you might have a laugh at me for this. I automatically assumed it was the Wallace and Gromit, the Bakelite. <laughs> no, saying. they just reference it because they happen to live in the time when Bakelite was popular. Yeah, that's what I was like. Is it Bakelite. <laughs> no, so you it's... thought that it was uh, a fake thing made for the show? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I could understand that. Like, I don't think they use it for anything these days, except the extremely specialized applications. Actually, maybe they do. Uh, may, maybe, um, yeah, I think actually my cooking pots advertised Bakelite handles. Anyway, on the 21st of August, Fred Hoyle passed away. Sir Fred Hoyle was an English astronomer who formulated the theory of stellar nucleosynthesis. He rejected the Big Bang Theory and promoted panspermia as the ori origin of life on Earth. He wrote science fiction novels, short stories, and radio plays, and co-authored 12 books with his son. So his um, e-process was the process by which, a, uh, by which in the fusion reaction inside a star, the process moves from helium to generating iron. What's interesting, though, is that Hoyle uh, rejected the Big Bang because he believed that the universe didn't have a beginning and that believing that the universe had a beginning was basically equivalent to uh, believing in a creator. <laughs> oh, and I think if I recall, he was saying that um, the Big Bang Theory is a whole lot, a whole load of um, pseudoscience. Yeah, I see well. why he thinks that, but, um, you know, it's the accepted model at the moment. But that's the thing about science. You have an accepted model and... Uh, you can have alternative models that are also supported by the same evidence. So he uh, argued for solid state theory, which is an alternative to the Big Bang that suggests that the universe has existed forever and will exist forever. Except that both the Big Bang and solid state are based on the Hubble redshift uh, observations. So Hoyle coined the term Big Bang on, the, on a BBC radio show in 1949. He died of a stroke at 86 in Bournemouth, which is pretty cool. The thing that you spent your life trying to discredit is named after something you said. <laughs> on to the birthdays on the 29th, sorry, 20th of August, 1913, the American neuropsychologist, neurobiologist, and Nobel laureate, Roger Walcott Sperry, with David Hunter Hubel and Torsten Nils Wiesel, he won the 1981 Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine for his work in split brain research. So the, um, the brain is naturally split into two hemispheres, the left and the right, connected in the middle by the corpus callosum. And 
in certain patients, there's a uh, separation. A lot of the time, it's a treatment for epilepsy. And the idea is that by cutting the corpus callosum, you prevent seizures from affecting the entire brain. And it is an effective treatment, not without side effects. But um, one of the most famous is alien hand syndrome, where because there's no bridge between the two halves of your brain, you think, I'm going to do a thing with my hand. And so your, your right hand goes out and does the thing, and your left hand goes out and undoes it. I like the other name that um, it, it um, describes do- alien hand syndrome, the Dr. Strangelove syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did Dr. Strangelove come into this? I don't remember that being in that movie. <laughs> Might have to rewatch it. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So it says in Stanley Kubrick's 1964 Dr. Strangelove, the uh, eponymous character played by Peter Sellers, apparently suffers from alien hand syndrome as he can't stop himself from doing the Nazi salute. Dr. Strangelove (laughs) syndrome was suggested as the official name for AHS. This was not approved, though it is something used as an alternative name. (laughs) Okay, then. That is familiar now. (laughs) And on the 20th of of August, 1927... Fred Kavli was born. So, Fred was a Norwegian-American businessman and philanthropist. He founded the Kavlico Corporation, located in California, and became one of the largest suppliers of sensors for aeronautic, automotive, and industrial applications. Their clients included General Electric and the Ford Motor Company. He founded the Kavli Foundation, which gave out scientific prizes in the fields of astrophysics, nanoscience, and neuroscience. Each prize consists of a scroll, gold medal, and $1 million cash. He chose to focus on these three ideas because he thinks they're the most exciting fields for the 21st century. He also uh, chose to the prizes to distinguish them from the Nobel Prize. He was born in Eresfjord. And on the 20... Sorry? Sorry, I was going to say, can you believe it? Like, Cavalier just thought, like, all right, I'm going to do something that Alfred Nobel couldn't do. Make up my... Make make an... Make a, a... a rival prize or a ceremony. Yeah, so the Nobel Prize was founded by Alfred Nobel after um, he wanted it so that he would be remembered for something other than TNT, mm-hmm. which was used as a weapon, and he didn't want to be associated with only violence. Yeah, but his one saying like the difference is the only difference is most of these lo- most of these laureates will be selected by a committee of international scientists. Yeah. So, on the uh, 20th of August, 1943, Sylvester McCoy was born in Dunoon, Argyll and Butte. Sylvester McCoy is best known as the Seventh Doctor. In, um, in 1987, he became the lead in Doctor Who until it ended in 1989. He appeared wearing a wig and face down just before or the regeneration commenced, as his predecessor refused to film the regeneration scene. So, despite uh, his initial form as a fairly comedic character. He soon became a much darker figure than the earlier incarnations, manipulating people and always playing a deeper game. He's also appeared in the Big Finish audio plays and also uh, returned for the Doctor Who television movie in 1996, which officially ties it to um, to the classic run of Doctor Who. And as of 2013, it was officially tied to the revived show by featuring the Eighth Doctor in a mini-episode mini where he regenerates into the War Doctor. Oh, yeah. So 
up until 2013, like there was no known direct lineage from uh, the original run to the new show. We all knew it was the case, but um, you know, it wasn't shown on TV until 2013. And on to the events of interest. On the 20th of August, 1858, Charles Darwin first published The Theory of Evolution Through Natural Selection in the Journal of the Proceedings of the Linnaean Society of London. So many ofs. Alongside Alfred Russell Wallace's same theory. So they published on the tendency of species to form varieties and on the perpetuation of varieties and species by natural selection. So Darwin uh, came up with this theory and wrote it down by 1844, but kept it unpublished as he was preparing for the for his journey on the Beagle. And an exhaustive eight-year study of the barnacle genus Cirripedia. And on the 20th of August 1940, Pr- British Prime Minister Winston Churchill made his four famous wartime speech, including the line, Never so much was owed by so many to so few. This was a quote referring to the Battle of Britain, where British airmen were fighting daily to keep the German Luftwaffe from bombing the British islands. On the 20th of August 1962, the NS Savannah launched. The NS Savannah was the world's first nuclear-powered civilian ship. It was named for the first steamship to cross the Atlantic Ocean in 1819, had a sleek design that was incompatible with carrying large amounts of cargo, and was meant to demonstrate the peaceful use and positive potential of nuclear power. It was part of the Atoms Atoms for Peace program. So in the 1950s, when the US and the USSR were using increasingly large and powerful nuclear weapons, they had a program to uh, use nukes for peaceful projects. One of my favorite is uh, Operation Plowshare, where uh, the US tried to use nukes as excavation tools. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually. Um, that would not have ended well. <laughs> no, it turns out that for the most part, you create a boatload of uh, fallout because you're directly irradiating the, uh, the soil. So an airburst bomb has less fallout than a bomb detonated on the ground. So during this first trip, a faulty instrument initiated a reactor shutdown. Cool ship. It's a, I think it's a bit of a shame we don't have more nuclear-powered ships. because. Yeah, um, but in this current climate, though, I mean, after yeah. what happened 9-11 and everything, do yeah, you really want it, fuel, um, No, not really. So bunker fuel, which is the kind of oil used for, um, used for ships, is really bad for the environment. Funnily enough, though, it um, contains a high amount of sulfur, which creates an aerosol that reflects away uh, incoming solar energy and helps keep the Earth cooler. So without it, we would be having much worse global warming than we are. But uh, the if we'd been building nuclear-powered ships since the 50s, it wouldn't be as much of an issue as it is now. Unfortunately, bad people would want to steal the nuclear-powered ships and use the inside nuclear bits to do bad things. Uh- I like the the Wikipedia page. There's some nice, um, it's some nice like 50s style decor. But that's all we have for tonight. Do you have anything to add, DJ? They could uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, that's not canon.com. We have an archive of our old episodes. And um, they can also check out um, the new That's Not Canon podcast that's come out um, recently called Therapy for Monsters. Yes, just launched today. I'm definitely checking that one out later. <laughs> so basically it talks about like uh, Gollum having a unhealthy obsession with the ring, 
Cookie Monster, stress, stress eating, and the homicidal robots that really just wants to be your friend. So it, uh, it's a therapy for monsters. Finally puts uh, monsters into a therapy chair with a real therapist. That's a cool concept. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. <laughs> but yeah, you can also uh, check us out on um, Pod Hero as well, where, Professor, you can um, in, you, you can right. in. Yep. So as always, for $5 a month, you can support us and other podcasts by listening to our shows on the Pod Hero app, where your, uh, your subscription is split among the shows that you listen to based on how much you listen to each show. But anyway, that's all we... <clears throat> That's all we have for this week. So look after yourself, stay hydrated, and if you're in a hot spot, take care. And we will see you next week. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.